Well, welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, of course, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the people at the table. I am one of your hosts, DM Chris, aka DM underscore Chris1. Perfect. Do you have <laughs> an underscore know. in there yeah. as well? Oh I, man, I, I kind of forgot yeah. that. And I am DM Neil, aka Jote Maniac. And... You know, Neil, the way we could get around my being DM Chris, I could probably just delete the underscore and I could probably be DM Chris. I don't know. We'll try it. We'll figure it out. To Twitter. Screw this episode. We're going to Twitter and you're going <laughs> to listen to us type. No, no, no. Yeah. But what a wonderful backstory you've given us about your Twitter handle. And that is a For wonderful sure. segue. Um, not driving off the cliff like the guy who owned Segway. But we're going to talk. That's his backstory. Because today... We're Ooh. going to be talking about building better backstories. The BBB of D&D. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, look at that, clearly there we go. Chris and I recording later at night <laughs> than normally. <laughs> totally. But we totally. are. We're going to talk about tying backstories together, whether it's homebrew, whether it's pre-written material, whether you have players that are engaged, players that want nothing to do with it, just kind of having a conversation about weaving those all together. But before we do that, we have an iTunes review. And it comes from someone named DM Jazzy Jack. And they entitled it, This Show Has It All. Five stars. It'll take you a while to even swipe through the episode list, let alone listen to it all. But it's certainly worth every second. Every episode has something you can take away and with such a wide variety of topics you are certainly going to find several topics right up your dming alley to spark some new inspiration for you i've been listening on spotify forever but the show is so good that i finally got off my lazy butt opened up apple podcast just to come rate it you don't know me but i'm very lazy so it's a big deal <laughs> well yeah, Thanks thank for you. that. That's DM awesome. DM Jazzy yeah. Jack. I mean, dipping your toe into the Apple world just to leave this amazing five-star review. Yes. So thank you for that Apple Podcast review and navigating, quite frankly, through Apple Podcasts. But with that, let's get into the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. <laughs> Why can't we have some meats? The flat meat back on the menu, boys. So, Chris, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm—I mean, I guess that would really tie to backstories, but we're not doing that. Um, but in well, I was born in Grand Rapids, whoa, Michigan. Whoa, going all the way back. But to go a little bit back on how this came about, um, we were trying to find an episode topic in short order and thankfully the discord helped us out with quite a few ideas and this is the one that kind of stuck out to us so certainly check out the discord uh if you're not already on there and we'll have that a link to that in the show notes but one of the kind of framing questions for this conversation isn't just about the individual backstories because i think we've kind of touched on that a lot but it's more of taking the disparate backstories and weaving them together in like the narrative that you, the DM are also building. Um, 
So we also have a slew of questions. Thanks. Thanks Loads. to a couple of our listeners. So this shout out definitely goes out to you, DM Trish, for blowing my mind with the questions. I don't know that we'll get to all of them, <laughs> but it definitely is going to help. We will yes. do our best. So, Chris, I mean, I guess what is your first thought at the idea of weaving backstories together? I think it's something that takes time and patience with yourself as a dungeon master. And I certainly know on my end, I don't always get it right. So I would say it, like many things in the DMing world, it takes practice. Don't expect to get it right right away. But the payoff is amazing when you can see different elements or different NPCs from characters' backstories come into the larger narrative that you're telling and watching players make these connections as they start to you know continue on through the overarching story is just one of my favorite things to watch because those moments are the moments where your players were probably bought in beforehand, but those are the moments where it's like, my DM was listening, it was turned into the story, and now there's a deeper level of buy-in, a deeper level of character development that's just so much fun to watch happen uh, when when you're able to pull it off. So be patient with yourself, practice it, and reap the rewards, uh, I think are some of my favorite things when it comes to weaving backstories into the kind of grander narrative of the story that we're all trying to tell. What about you, Neil? You don't have to. I mean, I'm just just like my very first thought is that you don't have to weave them directly into the story that you're trying to tell, but that doesn't mean they won't weave through it. The idea that you would need to have it intrinsically tied to the story that you're telling is not necessary um, because that's the story you're telling and engaging the players with. And they already have an active role in that. I mean, every sense of the word role in that story, but then having their own backstories kind of come in and out of that is totally fine. You don't need your big bad to be someone that is like the sister, the brother of so-and-so. And you're just like, Oh no, how could this be? But that's not to say that they wouldn't have, bits and pieces of that engage with them yeah or who's to say that the bad guy or you know the villain doesn't find out who the sister is to then wrap them Mm -hmm. into the story you know not necessarily the bad person but yeah i think it is i think it is absolutely necessary to figure out a way to tie that back in especially if your player is giving that to you um, but it is also even figuring out how much buy-in that they want, how much buy-in they care about, because it could be very little. And that's kind of some of the questions that were posed as well. There's a deep desire, especially like for me, to involve all players equally, mm-hmm. but it doesn't. that's not always how that works. Not all players want that. Yeah. I mean, some players are totally fine just going along for the ride and being a part of everything else, you know? One of the things that you said, Neil, that I I can't remember if I, it was probably a Reddit post at some point that just kind of struck me. It was somebody writing about the difference between a storyteller and a story facilitator and the role of the DM, you know, and I, I, I kind of latched onto that story facilitator role more than the storyteller, right? Like the story can go any number of places and it's our job as DMs to facilitate and bring in kind of these different elements that the players are longing for. And it's like if players are giving us things from their their backgrounds, like it's it's I mean kind of our job to some extent to facilitate 
and bring those things in, which I think is very different than just like having to get the overall story across and telling it to our players. So I, yeah, I think it's a, I think this is a really fun topic to talk about. So what are some of those questions, Neil, that we got from the listeners? Maybe we can just start going through some of those. Okay. So what do you think is a key question or questions to ask potentially in a session zero to kind of start that backstory and, and weaving those things together? Yeah, I think, you know, some of the some of the key questions that I would ask are what's one or two kind of key or pivotal moments in your character's life in the past that have shaped them to be the way that they currently are? Because that'll give you loads of things like they don't even have to. Maybe they give you the name of like a lord that took the farmland away from your family. And so that made you really latch on to the material possessions that you have, you know? And so you bring that and you bring in people who, you know, try to steal stuff from the character, you know, just for the sake of seeing where that, you know, you put, you pull on that one little thread to see where it takes you in the party when this thing in the, in the past, you know, asking, asking that question, what's one or two key moments or pivotal moments that help shape your character to be who they are, I think is a question that I really like to ask for that simple reason of it just gives me those little threads to pull on um, at some point in the future. So I think that's that's probably the biggest question that I ask uh, to my players. So, Neil, what are some that you ask? So if the group is bringing characters that are already made, then whether the <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I don't know of better ways to say things, whether the player likes it or not. <laughs> they made choices about their backstory in essence of saying, I mean, we'll just say it's me. I am a dwarven cleric. Those are questions I can ask more about. Like, okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what clan did you come from? What deity did you choose? Who was the one that helped you become a cleric? And like, even as simple as just looking at their character sheet and asking questions because they, I mean, they, I mean, most likely they made that choice. I also know that there's a button, there's a randomized button on D&D Beyond, but they, for the most part, some choices had to be made in the process of just having a character at all. And so if you don't, if you don't have anything else or you can't think of anything else, that is probably the, a guaranteed place you can start. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think there are elements to the role that a character chooses to play that just opens up a plethora of options for players to come up against or have NPCs recur randomly in the future. You're in a town and there's your old arch cleric who walks into the bar and it's like, Oh snap, there's my old master. Like, what am I going to do in this situation? Am I going to ignore him? Am I going to walk up to them? Like what, you know, are they looking for me? Like what's the reason that they're actually here? You know? And that's the fun part for us as dms to come up with is like the motives when you bump into those characters could be any number of things that the players don't necessarily know of unless they were to go out seeking those npcs on purpose for a specific reason so it opens up a load it opens up loads of possibilities for us yeah for story so one of the interesting questions that kind of comes up from that scenario is what do you do when especially now you you're you're weaving these stories in what are you doing when the person just doesn't care 
Um, so that <laughs> you, you reference that NPC um, being their mentor that they've maybe even been looking for. And you're like, well, are you going to go talk to him? And they say no. Then we move on to it. I mean, I know many times in my own life where I've seen people that I know places and I'm like, nope, don't don't want to talk. Don't want to yeah. talk to them, you know, try and walk into the back room. So it, but it's also it's also a it's also a, a warning for me that maybe that's not what they're after. And so they may have given me all this stuff in the past, but they might just actually be fully OK with going along with whatever story is presented. And that's OK. Like. You don't want to force something on your players that's not there or that just opens up loads of possibilities for like, okay, why is this person avoiding their master? So it could go, it could go multiple ways, you know, and you could, you could very easily take that question offline afterwards, sending a text and saying like, Hey, just, you know, curious, you avoided, you know, your former arch cleric mentor. Was there a reason that your character did that? Was that just, you know, what, what was the motivation behind that? And you can have that conversation and that could help answer more things. Or maybe they just didn't feel like it was progressing the main story. And it's like you can have the conversation of like, no, it's okay to have side quest things like that um, in our campaign. So I think just very easily taking it offline could be a good way to do it. Or it can be a signal to you. Maybe they're just not interested in it and that's okay. And we just throw other things at them instead. And one of the the things I was thinking is also, and one of the questions posed and one of the genuine thoughts I have, because I have to deal with it, not deal with it. I have the joy of navigating, um, having a pre-written material and then incorporating my players' backstories. Um, and I know we are huge proponents of homebrewing our own worlds, but that doesn't that doesn't change the fact that I don't always have the time for that. So I'm definitely in the Salt March campaign and incorporating backstories. So therein lies the question of how are we doing it in the homebrew versus in pre-written material and i will leave it up to you chris which of those two will we tackle first let's tackle pre-written stuff first okay and it sounds like you're doing that Mm -hmm. so i'll give you the the joy and privilege to answer kind of what you've done perfect so one is that yeah so i have to process one is that (laughs) the salt marsh campaign natively or like was written to be in greyhawk there, there are some side panels and certainly like there's more added into that whole system than just those three original U series modules. And of course I know that. Um, but <laughs> the, I moved it to the Forgotten Realms because my players are more familiar with that. But that means I'm also playing in the Forgotten Realms. So I lean towards things that are only about my players. I have a tendency to just then stray away from things that are exclusively Forgotten Realms. And so then it's only the pieces that I've been very specifically given by them that I am then playing back into. I'm basically only doubling down on those individualized pieces rather than taking something that's in the module and then reflavoring that per se. Um, there there are a couple times by sheer happenstance that those have lined up a lot more than I was expecting. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and lean into those, but for the most part, I'm not. 
because I definitely have one player. I don't remember who all listens to the podcast. So, <laughs> oh, well. Um, so I have one player that is actually planar traveled from Corvair, Eberron, mm-hmm. and is in the Forgotten Realms right now. And so I, I, that's, a lo- that's a more long-term thing. But like I have to figure that out in a way that just doesn't clearly has absolutely nothing to do with the forgotten realms, but instead another pre-written material. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. merging those two together, playing more into my warlock patron for one of my players, just because I can, and I can make that anything at that yeah. point. Um, the one that will play out most recently or the soonest is that there is a player who was a sailor and is kind of got an Ahab vibe, mm. and that's going to come to fruition pretty soon. Um, yeah. And fighting that monster that is their essentially their white whale. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I um, you know it's interesting that you said you know you had somebody who planer traveled to you know the salt marshes where you're at now, and it's interesting because that's I started doing the Lost Minds of Fendelver with a brand new like group of players like three of them were brand new to D. one hadn't played in a long time and one was familiar because they had listened to podcasts but like hadn't played yet so kind of like knew the flavor and you know how how the game worked but they all we got to the end of that and it was like well let's somehow figure out how to get to the world of Austera. And so they like had this uh, world orb that, so like the black spider, you know, from yeah. the lost minds of Fennel, uh got in this battle. And I said, you know, they got to the end of it. We're fighting him. And he had a world orb is what I called it. And he shifted into it, you know, to get away from the rest of the damage, which then they grabbed and figured out how to use over time and transported there. But it's like, I don't, you know, it was for a little while. It was like, how do I incorporate any of their backstories from a completely different world into this one? You know? Well, I mean, man, that's such a cool MacGuffin. Cause yeah, I mean, time travel and space travel are tough in any medium because you have to set rules and you just have to follow those rules. That's the only like in a movie, in a show, in a comic, in anything all of them work as long as you set rules and you stay to those rules. I don't care how you time travel. You just follow your own rules, which for some reason people don't like doing. But the idea that the world orb could work, but you can't take it with you, then yeah. allows for a lot more interesting things. Because one of the first goals I would see as the black spider entering this new world would be immediately trying to find another world orb to have mm-hmm. that out at all times. Also, as soon as your players choose to use that, then it's just sitting there in a dungeon. And then you can get timey-wimey with it as well. Who follows them and when? Is Mm -hmm. it their descendants later because it's been hundreds of years since the last time someone entered that dungeon? Is it someone one day later? Because they're like, where did these people that I know and care about go? Oh, they're here. So, yes, World Orb. Great, great idea. Yeah, but you know some of the things like that I've done to incorporate it is like, well, that I tried to, but they missed the opportunity to see it. Was like the the Shadowlands is sort of the the purgatory 
or the the Shadowfell is like the purgatory of the world. And there was one player that could have like seen both of his parents who passed away on uh, a boat being harbinged out to the great mm-hmm. sea, you know, to be, but they missed the opportunity to see it because they took a different, different path. And, you know, so there's like, there's little ways to like, they can still use like sending to communicate with people because they essentially just plane shifted and they could use that to talk with other people if they wanted to, you know, they haven't done that yet, but they could, <laughs> you know, yeah. But, you know, just to switch to the homebrew side of things, like the thing that I love the most about backstories in a homebrew world, at least from my point of view, is I love giving players agency to create stuff about the area that they're in that then becomes canon to the world that you've created. Like there's just a different level of buy-in that's there when players feel like they've had agency and and were able to build something in the world that now they're playing in. So I always find that really fascinating. Like if they come from a place and it's like, well, what, what sort of political structure was there in that town? Tell me about it. You know, what sort of like, maybe none of that stuff will ever come to fruition, but it's also fun for them to know the backstories of those areas that they have created and given some lore to, and given some life to in ways that I, wouldn't have thought of nor did I think through before they started in that area. That's yeah. why I love about it from a homebrew perspective. Yeah. And that that's definitely more applicable to the home game with the kids because there's, there's not really anything there. So then everything's there. So I kind of let them do whatever. And then if I try and, and sometimes I'll take their stuff and try and upscale it in my brain. So it's, so it's more interesting to the world and they're going to be they're going to be pretty stoked no matter what happens so the idea though that like so one player is playing an elf and so then that expands out in in a very different way in terms of their backstory in terms of time and what they've done and where they've gone and what they've seen whereas another player is a dwarf and i think one of the big things about weaving those narratives together is to really invest some time into what happened to their backstory while the player is not engaged with it Mm -hmm. because you know the whole concept and we've certainly mentioned it quite a few times before but the idea that there's the living world that it's you know there in theory most likely there wouldn't be a completely static situation for whatever their backstory is, be it their clan, their town, their country, that something is still happening and seeing if there are ways that player A gave you something. Is there a scenario where what player B gave you folds into the same piece, especially with the homebrew world? Yeah. And all of this is of the idea that (laughs) did you, did you create the backstories together? Because I didn't do that. I certainly didn't do that with my, with my home group. Right. As you can clearly tell, I mentioned that one of them came from Eberron into the Forgotten Realms. (laughs) So there's very little connection prior to the campaign actually starting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's to say that you could certainly do something where there is a tied and shared backstory between them all. And I mean, if that's the kind of thing that you're trying to weave in, I think it becomes even more important to make that happen because they've all bought into the same backstory i think it's even yeah it's i just don't see a way not to do that because again they're all saying yes so you're saying 
And. And. And where does this go from here? Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the interesting questions, you know, we can, we can ask players for backstories after backstories after backstories. And some people just won't give us backstories, right? So, Neil, how do we engage players who just aren't as interested in the story side of the game or just don't seem to give you as much to work with uh, from their backstory perspective? Move on. No, uh, <laughs> I mean that. I mean, I say that in jest, but it's certainly an option. There mm-hmm. are the player that that doesn't want that, and that that's okay. But certainly, if they have expressed it, I think, like you had mentioned, bringing that conversation offline to figure out how they want to engage with it, and that's not the wrong question to ask mm-hmm. because. There are certainly ways that they, they're not interested in. Even though there are pieces that they gave, gave you as the DM, there may be way, ways that don't interest them when you present it. If it is mm-hmm. like all of a sudden that there is the NPC that they've been looking for, maybe they feel like that's too shoehorned or they, they're just not yep. interested. Or even trying to reinterpret that version of, oh, I don't want to talk to them. But then figuring out why that like maybe the character is not ready and that's still character development, backstory developing and things mm-hmm. like that. So it's all, it's really figuring that out. And I, and the other thing I do is I just try to continue to engage by just asking questions outside of, or above the table, mm-hmm. um, whether that's texting between sessions um, or just having a conversation to just try and continue to build that out by just asking more and more questions. Yeah. So two things that I think about. One, we as DMs facilitating a story can pay attention to things that happen during the campaign that might come back later. You know, moments that might happen like a near-death experience or an NPC that this character that normally doesn't focus on storytelling for whatever reason seem to latch onto. You know, the bartender gave them an extra drink and they now are like best buddies, you know. So paying attention to those sorts of things that then can come back later in the game that because it's sometimes hard for people to fabricate and emotionally connect with something that they made up in a fantasy world, right? Like not everybody is able to do that and, and that's okay. And so just paying attention to like some things that happen during the actual campaign to then bring back as story moments later, I think is something we can do. The other thing I was going to say, you talked about bringing stuff offline. There was a moment where, there were a couple of players that didn't have that aren't necess- that are thinking deeply about their stories, but don't necessarily know or haven't had the experience of bringing it out at the table. And so there was a conversation that happened through texting that I'm excited to watch play out in our next session where I literally like it started as a joke where one player was like, Hey, I do a perception check of this person while they're taking a watch or whatever. And he was sending a message to somebody through, you know, the, through, you know, the, using the spell sending to send a message to somebody and he overheard it. Um, and, or not, maybe not overheard it, maybe just saw what was happening. And he just asked the question, like, what was that all about? Like, who did you send a message to, you know? Yeah. And it started out as a joke, right? Just like somebody perceiving something cause they thought somebody was shady or whatever. And, and then it grew into this really beautiful moment of them opening up about their characters through texting on their watch that hasn't happened yet, but is going to happen because we set the order of watches and then ended the night. But it was a really cool moment to watch them 
connect to their characters emotionally, open up about backstories that they might not have been as comfortable to role play or maybe couldn't have thought through impromptu off the fly that conversation that they were going to have. And yet it turned out to be this really beautiful thing that their characters' relationships now will forever be changed because they better understand each other and where they came from and what happened that I don't think would have ever been expressed at the table. So it's just really interesting how some of those different mediums can work to help players facilitate their own growth through their backstories. Yeah, and that was actually one of my thoughts as well is while there's certainly the the task, the job, whatever version you want to call it, of you, the DM, weaving it into the story elements that only you know, because that's kind of the agreement that we're all having, is that figuring out ways for the players to engage with each other's backstories, exactly like you just said, of helping the players have the right questions for each other or seeing those moments and helping them engage with each other. Um, seeing the moment that there's the the sending stone and you've you've observed that, but then going back to the idea of being the story facilitator and facilitating that continued conversation, and then obviously the reap the benefits of having even more about their backstories. And they did all the work. Um, uh, that's called that's called management. Um, <laughs> but but the idea yeah. of, of trying to figure out better ways for them to engage with each other, because then, like you said, those characters are more tied. Those players are probably more tied together and, and more invested in the story. Yeah. Um, so if you can find those times, certainly lean into those times. Well, and it's, it's made me think about like at the end of my sessions, because I watched that happen saying like, Hey, if your characters want to have any conversations with each other, you know, in between sessions, if that would help facilitate some of the story, please feel free to do that. Reach out to each other, include me as the dungeon master in that conversation. So I know like what's happening so I can better facilitate that. But like, if you, if you want to have those deeper conversations, uh, either because you're not comfortable doing it at the table or don't, you know, aren't able to come up with, you know, random stuff on the fly or feel, you know, cause role playing is weird. Let's be real. It's uh, it's always weird. Never really gets unweird. But just to say, even at the end of this end of the session, like, hey, there may have been moments for your characters to have conversations. Like if there was something that you noticed and you want your characters to have that conversation, do it through texting and include me. It'll be great. It'll work out wonderfully. And then it'll help facilitate some of that backstory stuff even more than trying to force it at the table where not everybody's comfortable with that. So one of the other pieces that we haven't necessarily talked about yet but is important certainly when you are weaving this you are privy to things that the players aren't and in turn are needing to make decisions with knowledge they don't have which is leading me to just say that there is a very real chance they won't like what you do <laughs> um and so i guess the the question that was posed and the question i'm posing to you is what do you do in that scenario if you've faced it and then of course what would you do if you had to face it with doing something with their backstories that they're not comfortable with mm -hmm. is that what you're asking yeah yeah that's a that's a tough one right because you want to see character growth you want to pull at the threads you want to make you know sometimes the old adage is that growth doesn't really happen unless you're uncomfortable i, I really honestly think it does come down to asking the question of what sort of story do your players want to tell 
knowing your players. Yeah, I, I, I do honestly think it comes down to that is like not doing anything that your players would be uncomfortable with. You know, like if you have players in your ta- at your table that have dealt with some pretty violent stuff in their past, maybe doing something like that to a, an NPC that they value might not be a great idea, you know? And that could be said for any number of, of things, you know? I, I think that would be my biggest piece of advice is just know, honestly, just know your players, know what they would be comfortable with. Don't test the limits if you're not sure. And make sure, again, you have open dialogue about stuff that is happening or has happened at the table. Yeah, and there, there certainly, and you hit on it as well, is there is a version that they are frustrated with what's happening with their backstory. And they are also okay with what's happening with their backstory. And that that's certainly a dis- distinction you're going to need to figure out because there's the other version where they're comfortable with what's happening to their backstory, but they don't like it. And mm-hmm. those are two very different scenarios where like working through that piece could be very rewarding for the player, for the story, for every element. But at the same time, it's something they're totally okay with but they don't want that to happen for them in their backstory yeah. um, and figuring out what versions of that are true. Cause I've definitely allowed it at my table and then was afforded the opportunity to kill a character because they were no longer interested in their character. And there is certainly part of me that feels bad that that happened, but at the same time, I think it all worked out because I don't think they were necessarily invested with their character a lot anyways. And then something happened with their backstory that they weren't interested in at all. So it got us to the place we needed to be, but that doesn't change the fact that I don't, that didn't necessarily need to happen that way. I mean, you could ask questions like, you know, if you're doing a character creation night, you could say, I mean, you could ask questions like how much of all of your backstories do you want to have come into play? Like if they really want it to come into play, they'll let you know. You could also say, you could also ask questions of like, what sorts of things around your backstory are you uncomfortable having happen? Like, is there anything that's off limits? Like killing characters in your backstories or changing things without you knowing, you know, there's, one of the one of the things I was I was amazed by with Critical Role, and and they obviously trust each other to the max. They're like best friends in the, the whole world. But one of the things that they said in their sort of recap show was, yeah, we didn't have everything nailed down like to the T because we wanted the dungeon master being Matt to fill in the blanks because that left us guessing somewhat, you know. So if players are writing out everything to the T you might be able to read into that to say like, don't change much. Like let, let that stuff be. And then if they leave it slightly wide open, maybe that allow affords you the, the ability to change things or add things or subtract things or whatever it might be in a way that, you know, might, you might not otherwise be able to be, be able to do. So many. Yeah, and that, that's probably the biggest factor of all of this is who knows? I don't know. What, I don't know what they gave you. I don't know what kind of players you have. I don't know what they're, they're working, what you're working with. Um, yeah. And that is by far and away the, the toughest part of the whole thing is that, yeah. And there's a lot of avenues of life that will tell you this. And this is no different. Not even don't be afraid of failure. Expect to fail. 
at some point. Yeah. That way it's not a huge surprise. Um, it's bound to happen because people there are very different. And who's to say that even something that they used to like for their backstory is true because um, the scale at which everything happens is also very fast. Mm-hmm. And that is probably one of the toughest parts of all of this is when in world something like your whole story, your whole campaign is happening in such a small amount of time. And mm-hmm. so folding those backstories in does also become very tough depending on the time scale of your story as well, mm-hmm. which is just something that totally popped into my head. Yeah, if it's going to span over the course of years, it makes sense. Like in-game years, it makes sense that more backstory stuff would happen. If it's going to take place in like a month, it's probably less likely that a whole bunch of backstory stuff is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Because let's be honest, that doesn't happen in real life where you see, oh, you're somebody from high school that randomly came back. Oh, wait, my doctor just showed up? Like that's super weird walking in, you know, all of these weird things that don't normally happen. Mm-hmm. Um, in a month period time of time. I do like that though. The, uh, what is that? It's the old show where it's like, this is your life. And then like, it just has all these random people from the person's life. Is it, I think the show's called, this is your life. I'm looking it up. Thank you. Google. Yeah. As you say, I'm just staring at you dumbfounded. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. I know things that I don't think I'm supposed to know. That's just how I feel some days. I was gonna say, are you talking about that old Christmas movie where the guy dies and he looks at his entire life? No. This is a show <laughs> called "This Is Your Life." Is an American reality documentary series broadcast on NBC Radio from 1948 to 1952. How and old on, are you, Neil? How the on, heck did you know that? And then on NBC from 52 to 61, where literally they have a person that are like, "This is your life," and they have a r- bunch of random people show up from their life, and like they'll have them like behind a curtain and they'll start talking. I don't know, man. I just want the backstory on this, Neil. Hey, how in the world did you stumble across that show? I don't know. And it's also ran for a lot shorter amount of time. I don't know. Sometimes the info goes in and I don't control (laughs) what comes back out. So I don't know who that was for. I'm sure there's some of our listeners who are super jazzed up that I just dropped. uh, This is your life reference from this fifties. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was for you. Whoever you are, that deep dive, that was for you. You know what? On that note, um, I think we have certainly tackled and created quite the backstory. And it, it, I feel like it's also a conversation we might um, draw on again because there are a lot to be done with backstory Loads of stuff. So, I mean, to to round the, to round this out, thank you to the Discord and thank you for that level of engagement to help us have this conversation. The Discord. <laughs> But if you liked this and you want to get a hold of us and tell us about your personal backstory or the backstory of your game, you can always email us at DungeonMasterBlock at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcatching software you use. Software? Apps? Do we even use software anymore, Neil? What world? Am I talking about 1950s here? Come on. Yeah, I'm drawing you into the past. I mean, technically... Technically, that is what it is called. Certainly, that's not what anyone oh, calls it. No, technically not. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMs block. Uh, you can like us on Facebook. And Neil, I believe we have a Patreon shout out as well for this episode. Who is it that we're shouting out to? We do. And today's Patreon shout out goes to... 
DM Dave. DM Dave. Thank you, DM Dave, for being a silver dragon and tearing tearing up the Patreon, answering questions, getting extra content, and doing all of those things. Mm, perfect. And as always, the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can check out other shows like Detentions and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, Diamnastics, and more. And... As always, thank you for listening to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all of the people at the table. Have a good night, everyone. And keep on Dungeon Mastering. Goodbye.